Okay, so do you want to start by introducing yourself? What did you say? Do you want to begin by introducing yourself? To what? Introduce yourself. Oh, okay, my name is Edward Conis, K-O-N-I-S, and uh, I am 88 years old. I was born in Vilno, Poland in 1932 and uh, I came to United States December 1947 uh, I don't know how deep or how superficial you want me to be uh, I came to United States in 47 I started with senior high school High School of Commerce in New York City. I started in the third grade. I graduated from high school in 1951. Uh, no, I graduated high school 49 and uh, I went for three years to high school. I skipped one year and then I applied and entered NYU Uptown and I took a pre-med course and I spent, made the college in three and a half years instead of four, in three years instead of four. I graduated college uh, in 1954, then I went to med school in Amsterdam, Holland. I spent two years in Amsterdam Medical School, University of Amsterdam. Then I transferred to Harvard University School of Medicine, second year. I graduated from Howard Med School in 59. I interned at Brooklyn Jewish for one year from 59 to 60. Then I joined the U.S. Air Force stationed in Orlando, Florida. Got married at the same time and my wife and I spent two years in Orlando, Florida, Air Force Base. After that, I applied for surgical residency at Brookdale Hospital in Brooklyn. I spent half a year in surgical residency, then I decided to want, I wanted to become an obstetrician gynecologist, and I applied for OBGYN residency at Bronx Lebanon Medical Center and I spent from 1961, 62 to 1966 training in OBGYN in the Bronx. After that, I joined a practice in the Bronx. I stayed with the practice for about three months and then I decided to go on my own and I found a desirable area in upstate New York 
in Goshen, New York, and we moved in uh, September of uh, 66 to Monroe, New York, which is next town, and uh, spent from 66 to 1999 practicing obstetrics and gynecology in Goshen, New York. Retired in 1999, uh, and I've been in retirement since then. And the present date is 2021, uh, and we're making this presentation in uh, my home, which I lived for the past 45 years in Chester, New York. Uh, I'm retired and uh, that's about it. So for the class that this presentation is for, it centers on diasporic studies. So one phrase that we studied was an was the imagined community. It explores the relationship that two strangers may have even though they never met each other because they either share an ethnicity or maybe a nationality or religion. Who are you talking about now? Anybody. So, for example, one American may feel similar to another American, even though they never met, simply for the sake that they are both American. Yeah. Another uh, concept that we're, that we'll be, uh, centering this discussion around is transnationalism. Well, when I came to practice in Goshen, New York, I hired an associate, Roger Spark, Dr. Roger Spark, and he was my associate in my practice for, the, for 30 years. Uh, and we had some other people joining our practice during that period of time. I don't know exactly what you, where you're going, what you need. Do you understand? Oh, I've got everything here. All right. Um, as for transnationalism, it's... As for what? Uh, the other phrase that this will be centered around is transnationalism. What that's about is the idea that a uh, identity is more accurately explained through tradition and through personal practice rather than national identity that I guess the argument would be that an American from let's say New York City is not as is not does not have the same life experiences as say someone who was born and raised in Las Vegas no nobody had my life experiences my life my life experiences are very unusual and very unique uh, I became I was became an orphan at the age of nine years old, and uh, I was uh, befriended by my nanny, who was Christian, who took me to the outskirts of Vilno to a farm, and uh, I was a hired hand on the farm, even though I was very young. And I was hired by a 
couple who did not have children and I was helping them with the farming during the war. And after the war, the only uh, survivor in my family was my mother's sister. And she came looking for me, hoping that she would find me. She had no clue whether I was alive or where I was, but she knew where my nanny's relatives lived outside of illness and she went to them and she lo and behold she met my nanny who knew where I was on a farm and she brought me from the farm to the city and uh, that's where my aunt my mother's sister picked me up adopted me and brought me to Munich where her husband was liberated from the Dachau camp and from Munich after being there for a few years, going to school. We came to the United States in December 47. And after that, I went to high school, I went to college, med school, practice and uh, Spent most of my life in Orange County, New York. Would would it be accurate to say that of your the first two decades of your life that uh, Anya and Grandma Ola or Olga were the two most important people? The first two decades of my life. Well, my my Grandma Ola picked me up when I was uh, in 45, when I was about 14 years old. So during the war, I didn't know if she existed or not. Uh, I was on a farm. She, she picked me up in 1944, 45, and uh, in Poland, in Vilnius, which is Lithuania now. And from there we went to, to Germany, to Munich. And from Munich we came to the United States, to New York. So, it, it's much more involved. It's, it, you know, I'm being very superficial here. And I don't know exactly what you want to describe. Do you understand? It's a very complicated, long story here. And it's very difficult to make it short, concise. And, and uh, so you have to work, you have to help me here and tell me exactly what you need here. Yeah. That I is... want you to have a big picture. And then you have to be able to compress it, summarize, and put together what you think is pertinent for your paper. Yeah, most of the specifics are around three topics that are centered around once you're already here. And it's about your relationship to other people. So where I guess we'll start is on your opinion on modern day Europe versus 20th century Europe. When you see your relationship to other people, are you relate, 
to people that I worked with, to people who are friends, to people. I'm not sure what you're referring to here. That's fine. What I'm, what I mean to say is, your opinions of the countries of Europe. How do you feel? How did you feel towards Poland? Maybe in your early years in America. How do you feel towards Poland now? So, my that, like my that, first that's, question. That's a very pertinent question. Okay. First of all, I have to tell you and who you that. Uh, we, I was very, I felt very fortunate and very lucky to be able to come to the United States. The opportunities here for anyone are limitless. And uh, if you are willing to work, you can become anything you wish to become. So for me as an immigrant, I felt very fortunate, very lucky to come to the United States. Uh, the freedoms and the availability of everything, job-wise, property-wise, uh, is limitless, providing you want to put out and work for it and earn it. Uh, so to me, United States is the greatest country in the world. And I've been to many countries. I've been to Poland, Lithuania, Germany. I visited Israel. To me, United States is a very beautiful country. We have a tremendous amount of faults, but they're fixable. So I'm just very fortunate to be a citizen of this country and this country has given me everything uh, one can ask for providing you are willing to put out to work for it uh, don't expect things to come and drop into your lap uh, you have to earn but if you are willing to work you won't put out you can the opportunity is limitless here, which is to me, from my experience being in different many countries over my life period, there's no such place like United States of America. So I can't compare it to Canada. I don't know anything about Canada. Uh, reputation of Canada is terrific, but I have never lived in Canada, so I don't know. As for Europe, are you, do you feel that Europe is more, less, or maybe equally anti-Semitic as it was when you left for the United States? Okay, ask that question again. Do I feel Europe is more or less anti-Semitic than the United States? Is, do you think it is... You, you can't do that because Europe is composed of a tremendous number of countries and each country is different. Well, I should specify, I suppose, where to, you live. To one country, United States, with different areas of United States, which are also different. But you oh, yeah. cannot say, compare Europe to United States. Europe is a very diverse place. 
each country is completely different. So your question is very difficult for me to answer. Well, I would specify, uh, I would target Lithuania, Germany, Poland, maybe like that area part portion of Central and Eastern Lithuania, Europe. In terms of anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, was very anti-Semitic. So was Poland. Uh, Germany killed all the Jews yeah. before the war. So it can't be more than that. Uh, to me, I spent several years in Holland, and I found that to be a very inviting, very friendly, very good country to be in, Holland. Uh, United States, you have different areas in the United States and there are different uh, atmospheres towards anti-Semitism, towards Negro, black people. So, you know, you can't just lump everything together into one group. It varies from region to region. But Europe as a whole, compared to United States, you know, I, I, I love this country. I, I think this uh, United States is the best place to live, to raise a family, to uh, just a tremendous country to be in. It's a privilege to be in the United States, from my point of view. Um, upon leaving uh, for the United States, did you feel a sense of hatred or resentment towards Poland? Did I feel what? Did you feel resentment or hatred towards Poland or Germany or whatnot? Or were you more focused on simply what are getting we talking help? about in Germany or here? Like a, when you were still there. Yeah. Like, looking at what was going on during the Holocaust, did yeah. you feel a sense of hatred towards those countries and the one that you lived in? Or were you more torn with that, with Poland in particular being your place of birth? Poland was very anti-Semitic. So was Lithuania. So was, uh, you know, Germany couldn't be more than uh, anybody else because they outright killed people killed Jews in concentration camps. So, you know, the European countries did not like Jewish people. Uh, when I spent some time in Holland, I had a very good experience being in Holland. I liked the Dutch people. Of all the countries in Europe that I've lived in, Holland was the most inviting, most giving, most uh, pleasant place to be in. I don't know if any other country comparable to Holland was a very nice place to live. The people are very giving and very, very good from my point of view. That I am comparing to Lithuania, comparing to Poland, comparing to Germany, comparing to France, comparing to Austria. Holland is uh, 
made our life more pleasant, more accepting, more liberal, more. So I'm making a distinction here between Holland and other European countries that I'm aware of. Do you have any desire to visit Poland or Germany? I did. I did. I visited them since I left. Yes, of course I would have a desire. It was uh, interesting. It was disappointing because I just found uh, there was less pleasant to be in those countries compared to where I'm now in the United States. Um, I suppose what I would ask, this might be a difficult question to answer, but if you could like, look at how you identify yourself, do you think you would consider yourself more as a Polish individual or would you refer to yourself as a Jew first? Jewish person. Nothing Polish about me. I am a Jew. And everybody else views me as a Jew. You can divert yourself. When people know that I'm Jewish, I know that I'm Jewish. It's a religion, it's not just a nationality. It's, you know, Israeli is a nationality. Jewish is a religion. So, in Europe, you have, in all over the world, you have Catholics, you have Protestants, you have different religions. But do I consider myself Polish or Dutch? Or, I consider myself Jewish. But I consider myself an American for the past uh, 50 years because I adopted this country. I'm still a Jew. I always will be a Jew. But I consider myself as a citizen of the United States, and uh, I'm very proud of this country. And with your answer in mind, you would say that your life in America is much more influenced by your religion than your nationality of birth? Yes. It's, well, okay. It's influenced by both in, in different aspects. My religion is totally free here, which hasn't been in the other countries that I've lived in. Therefore, it makes life more, much more bearable and pleasant uh, in a country that you are not being labeled or denied uh, your religious freedoms and so on. And that's why America is such a, from my standpoint, such a welcoming, beautiful country to live in. I consider it a tremendous privilege to be here. It's difficult for an American-born person to appreciate that. But I am a foreigner, even though I've been here for over 50 years. And so I remember all the different aspects in different places. And if I compare it to the United States, there's no place like it. As for the next portion, this is going to be 
The theme of this will be Israel. Say it again. The next thing that I want to discuss with you is, are your feelings about Israel? What so, about that? So, my first question would be, how long after the formation of Israel in 1948 did you begin to feel a bond to it as a Jewish state? Ask that again, please. How long after Israel became a nation did I what? Did you begin to feel an attachment to it? Oh, I felt an attachment to Israel much, much before that. Israel, to me, during my lifetime, was always a home for the Jewish people. So when it became a nation, it became more uh, complete. But Israel, to me, as a Jewish person, born in Eastern Europe and being all over the place, Israel was always considered to be my my uh, home place. Would I be late, happy to live there? Probably. But uh, we came to the United States from Europe and uh, I'm very glad I'm here. But Israel to me is a very super special place. It's, it's a home for the Jewish people. There's no place like it for Jewish people. So you love Israel very much and you also love the United States. So I'm curious to see how you answer this. Do you think that you were more, actually, no, I think I know how you'll answer this. Do you think you were more alike to an Israeli Jew or an American Christian? Repeat that. Do I think that I am more as an immigrant? Just as a person, do you think that you are more similar to an American Christian or a Jew in Israel? I haven't lived in Israel, so my, you know, I spent over 50 years in the United States, so I feel that I am an American Jew. Uh, but I am a Jew first, no matter where I am. So to me, if I were to go to Israel, I would feel at home in Israel. But it so happens that I live and I have a tremendous uh, opportunity in the United States, and I'm very happy being here. But Israel is something, I think to every Jew, is a very special, unique place, and nothing can top that from my point of view. Uh, so you kind of mentioned this briefly, but at any point, Point, did you want to move to Israel? Did you feel... No. I was not moved to Israel because my roots are here. I lived here a long time and I feel very comfortable. Would come a time that I would want to move to Israel? Could be. Could be. But at this point, are we talking about now? Now or at any moment. I wouldn't hesitate to move to Israel if I needed, you know, if I wanted to, if my family would be there with me. To me, Israel is a very unique, special place. So, no, I would never uh, 
not want to go to Israel, but you're staying where you are implanted, so to speak, when you know your way around, where you were spent most of your life. So you, you have a allegiance to this place. And I feel very uh, good being an American citizen. I spent time in the service and uh, I was educated here. I was, you know, I, at this point in my life, that's my home. Would you prefer that either... I would prefer to stay here in this time of my life as compared to live in Israel, if that's your question. And how about for your children and grandchildren? Would you prefer that we live here in America or would you prefer, would if we like, wanted to, that we live no, in Israel? I would want my children to be where I have access to them, where they're near me. Is that also a significant factor in what motivated but you to stay here? selfish on my side, my part. But I would like them to be, I would like to be my, with my family. There's nothing in the world more important than your family. You can have good friends, you can have acquaintances, you can have partners. But to me, a family, not having had much of a family most of my life, to me, a family is the most important thing in my life. So, next uh, should be also on the uh, lighter side. And it, this will be about America and your life here. So, how is it that you entered this country to start? How what? How did you first get here? What did you first do when you came to America? Well, I was a youngster, I went to school. I went to school, I didn't speak English. I went to movies to try to pick up some English, and I went to school. I went first, I was, went to a Puerto Rican school, the Spanish school, and uh, they didn't last very long. They didn't like me. I was the only uh, non-Puerto non Rican in the class. So some of them, sometimes they ganged up against me and uh, stuff like that. But I transferred very early to a, American school, high school, and I was treated fair. And I just had to learn the language and I had to compete in the, my studies. And uh, the, the main drawback was my language. I, you know, I didn't speak English. I didn't, I couldn't read, I couldn't write. I was four, 15 years old and I just, didn't, didn't know English, so I had to pick it up. I had to read. I had the dictionary on one side, the story on the next side. We translate each word, the meaning, from uh, German, for example, to English. Was, and so the first year or so was difficult, but you know, you pick up, you learn, you try hard. Pays off in the long run. You, 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 you know, when you're young, Learning things is much easier than when you are older. Plus, at that point, when I came to the United States, I was exposed to different languages. 
I went to a Polish school. So I spoke Polish and I could write Polish. At home, my family spoke Russian. So I was able to speak Russian. When I moved to Germany after the war, I learned German. Everything was in German. Uh, I came to the United States, I learned English. I went to Holland for two years to medical school and learned Dutch. So when you speak multiple languages, it's easier for you to pick up another language. I spoke, uh, I, I, I learned Hebrew when I was in, in Munich. I went to a Hebrew gymnasium for a year and a half. So I learned Hebrew. So I, I spoke multiple languages. And when you do that, you, you sort of speak a linguist and you can pick up languages much easier. When I went to high school, I took Spanish. I didn't speak it fluently, but I could get by and I could write. I had three years of uh, Spanish in high school, regions and all that stuff. So, you know, you learn when you're young and you put in the time and effort, you can make of yourself a tremendous amount, almost limitless, what you can do. But you have to put in the effort. Whatever you do, whatever interests you, you have to be good. If you're an average or below average, you'll get by, but it's not good enough. You have to make extra special effort to excel in what you are interested in. And then that will make your life easy. If you are good at something, in medicine, engineering, whatever, you are going to shine and you're going to be happy and you're going to be desired by people. They want to have your services. If you're just an average or below average, you will survive, but you ain't getting no place. Uh, anyhow, that's, that's philosophy. Go ahead. Um, how long do you think it took you to become, to, to gain fluency in English? To do what? To be able to speak, read, write, and speak English well, how long do you think it took you? How long it took me? I think two years. To it, read, to speak, to converse, to feel comfortable. I would say right. about two. It took me a long time. It took me a while. Is English it took me a while also because at home I didn't speak English. At home we spoke Russian. Right. So, you know, you, you, and that was an easier way to express myself in a language that I was used to. So, English I spoke only in school when I was with other kids, with the teachers and so on. So, you know, it wasn't that simple. If you just speak English at home and in school, you pick it up easier, you're able to express yourself better, you learn it faster. But if you, to several different languages, uh, that takes longer. It makes it more difficult. Is English the language that you would say you were most proud of speaking? Say it again. Of all the, like you speak and understand multiple languages, would you say that you're most proud of understanding English? Yes, right now, 
I've been speaking most of the time and learning and reading in English for the last uh, 40 years. So, yes, I'm more, more fluent, more comfortable with the English language than any other language at this point. Yes. If that's what you're asking me. Yeah. And this might be silly, it might be the obvious, but would you identify yourself as American? Identify as what? You're, would you as identify American? yourself as yes. American? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. I've been here for over half a century. I've studied here. I've spent, you know, spent the bulk of my life here. Yes. I see myself an American. Politically, uh, how would you identify yourself? Would you Politically, say I would identify myself as a, you mean between the two parties? Yes. As a Democrat. Um, so, uh, I know through conversations with your son, my father, that, uh, and because of what you said here, like how much you love this country, how did the electing of Donald Trump affect that notion? How did what? How did the election of Donald Trump to the presidency affect your oh, understanding of America? Oh, I was very disappointed. I was very disappointed. I didn't like him when he ran. I didn't like him when he was president. I don't like him when he's uh, out of presidency. I have uh, very little respect, regard, or affection for him. I think, you know, I just... Uh, I thought he was one of the worst presidents... Uh, in my lifetime that I was exposed to. Just a terrible person, from my point of view. Did that affect your um, your understanding of the American people? No. One has nothing to do with the other. I'm disappointed that so many people voted for him, but uh, no. My affection and my fondness and my Loyalty as an American has not affected, was not affected by the president of Trump. Um, we're going to keep with the uh, political theme here. During Trump's presidency, one thing that he did do uh, was that he showed a lot of respect toward Israel. For example, he moved the embassy yeah, to Jerusalem. He was very, very helpful to Israel. No question about it. And that played my role, a role in my uh, thoughts about Trump. I like that part. But if you ask me as a whole, I did not care for his, him as a person, for him as a president. But his uh, performance towards Israel uh, was better than any other president that I have known before. But that did not negate my feeling for Trump. Right. Next page. So, are you familiar with the BDS movement? Which? BDS. No. It stands for Boycott, Divest, and Sanction. Boycott what? Divest and Sanction. It's a movement calling for economic uh, penalties toward Israel. It's generally supported yeah, I know, by the I liberal know about that. Yeah, go ahead. What about it? The association of the BDS movement with the 
Liberal Party, did that pressure you to disassociate with, party? with the Democrats? Because it's gener- generally a liberal-supported movement. Did that co- feel... Cause I, I to- don't know about that, how true that is. Are you saying that... For example... The Democratic Party is supporting... The boycott against Israel. Is not the entirety, but uh, gen- it's generally associated with the far, far left. No, I'm not buying that part. I don't know where you got it from, but I, I would question it very seriously. Are you familiar with uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez? What? Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. What about her? She's a liberal politician who she, is advocated she, on their she's, behalf. She's... Uh, She's not a. I don't have any respect for her. Uh, she she's just uh, she's completely different views than mine, and uh, so whatever she says or she stands for, I definitely do not agree with her beliefs or her actions. Or uh, she certainly does not represent me. I know she's a Democrat, but she's not my Democrat. Right, that was kind of like where I was trying to get with with the association between the BDS movement and the Democratic Party. Oh, but that she, was an overgeneralization. Probably uh, anti-Israeli uh, actions. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know whether she does, but I wouldn't be surprised if she does. And uh, I, I just have no respect or loyalty towards that young lady, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Me. I'm also going to try to reword this question to make it better um considering the a lot of liberals do feel have anti not a lot of liberals very far left uh leaning individuals have anti-zionist uh preferences has that made you feel as though somewhat dissociated from the democratic party to any extent that's kind of what i was trying to ask Your premise is in, not correct, but having asked that question is, there's always will be, in my view, people who are anti-Israel will not get support from me. To me, Israel is a very dear, important factor. I am an American, but people who are in any shape or form against Israel would not get my support, if that's what you're asking for. Of course. Do you think that, and this goes for like any time, um, any decade from being here, from before you came here to now, are you as proud of being an American? Now, like at this moment, as you were in, say, the 2010s or in the 2000s or in the 1990s or so on? You have to repeat that slowly. What, What are you asking me? Exactly. Are you as proud of being an American yes. now as you've always been? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Definitely. So, what makes you proud of your identity as a Jew, as an immigrant to America? What, what is it that, I suppose, makes you more proud of who you are than what you could have been, say, if you were a Polish Christian and you, that you stayed in Poland? 
the form of government, the freedoms of voting, the freedom of uh, association, the freedom of everything. You don't have those things in other countries. You can say whatever you want. You have the rules and laws that are protective of your religion, your speech, your association. You don't have it in any other country uh, that I know of as you have it in the United States. You're a free person. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can belong to any party that you want. You can vote for whoever you wish. Uh, the freedoms are just limitless in the United States. And to me, it's just an unbelievable achievement. So, keeping in line with that, if you could go back in time and change any aspect of like how, how you were born, where you were born, would you rather be born a Jew or would you rather be born a Christian in America, even for that example? Uh, that, that's, if you're a love of America, that's what would an you impossible choose? question to answer. I'm proud who I am. And uh, no, I wouldn't want to be someone else. Uh, probably, maybe, yes. I wouldn't have lost my parents. I wouldn't. Uh, I would have stayed probably in Poland and been successful, whatever I would choose to do. But uh, that's not, you know, this uh, not a fair question to ask because you have no options here. If you're a Jew, you are a Jew. If you're Christian, uh, Protestant or Catholic, whatever, uh, you know, th those things... Uh, you can alter, you can change, and you are who you are. And uh, from that point on, you live your life and you decide what you want to do, what makes you happy, what you feel is right and wrong, and what your outlook on life is going to be. But uh, if you ask me if I was a Protestant or a Catholic, I would have no answer to that. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. I am who I am, and uh, that's my whole life. Is there anything that you want to do to embrace your religion, your nationality, or some other aspect of your identity more than you have so far? No. I am exactly where I want to be. That's the beauty of being an American citizen. You have the options. So if I wanted to be more re religious, I could have done that. If I wanted to belong to certain uh, clubs, I could have done that. If I want to be uh, going to politics, I could have done it. If all the options are open, being an American citizen is such a beautiful thing that I couldn't ask for anything better or different. Or uh, I'm just very happy to have all the opportunities that I've had. One thing that kind of goes maybe back to an earlier topic that we spoke of, but one thing I found interesting, I didn't know that you had moved to Munich, for example. What made you feel inclined to move to Germany post-war? Did you even have any say in it? 
Did you want to, or was it against your will? Okay, let me let me set you straight on that one. Okay, my mother's sister right. was in concentration camp near Berlin, in Germany. Yeah. So when she was freed by the Russians, she went to Vilna, right, to see if I was alive or not, and she knew where my Nanny's brother lived. She went to his house on the outskirts of Vilna, right. and she met Anya, and she said, yeah, he's alive, and he's on a farm about 40 miles away, and I'll bring them to you, okay? So she was liberated by the Russians near Berlin. Her husband was liberated by the Americans in Dachau, right. which is near Munich. Yeah. And Grandpa Bonya, her husband, was involved right away in trying to find people who were separated by the war and bring them together. So he formed that office in Munich, Central Committee, called Zuchdienst, looking for relatives and stuff to get them together. So Germany had a central committee in Munich. Dachau, where he was liberated, is near Munich. Right. So he became in charge of Zugdins in the central committee in Munich. Grandpa Bonia. Okay? Yeah. That's all his husband. So right away, he was one of the first ones to find out that Grandma Ola was alive and liberated by the Russians near Berlin. So he got in touch with her right away. So she said, I'm going to Vilna to see if my nephew is alive. And then I'll keep you posted. So he was able to get her right after the war to find out, number one, that she was alive and what she wanted to do and where was she at all times. So she went to Vilna, picked me up, brought me to Warsaw. From Warsaw, we went to Berlin. Berlin was divided into four units, French, uh, American, uh, British, and uh, Russian zones. We moved from one zone to the American zone, and uh, we got on trucks, and we they transported us to Munich, to where my uncle was. And over there, he already... He, he had a beautiful apartment in Munich. And he was waiting, prepared everything for us to... Grandma Ola, my mother's sister, brought me to Munich. So he found out that she was alive very early after the war. Because that was his interest. He was getting people together. He was getting all the people who were separated during the war, concentration camp here and there. They all came running to Munich to find their relatives, to see who was alive and where they were approximately. So that was his job, Zuchdienst, for all the Jews who were displaced by the war. So he had the access to all the information. And he brought his wife and me to Munich. So that's how I got to be in Munich. And from Munich, uh, you know, he had 
new people from the United States and so on and uh, were able to get to come here. That's incredible that it worked out so well. Beg your pardon? It's incredible that it worked out so well and yeah, being able to find it. Yeah, it is incredible. It is incredible. It's unbelievable. Yeah. There's one time, there was one, when I was in Munich, they, they you know, I, I wasn't their son, I was, so they put me in a kibbutz. Kibbutz is a group of young kids who were liberated by by Americans, and uh, so I stayed in the kibbutz for several months or half a year. That's after the war, and the my group was about to go to Israel illegally. At that time, you could you didn't go legally. The the, the ships would transport young people, especially they wanted to get young people to Israel. It was not a country then. It was just a British uh, uh, possession. So just before my kibbutz, my group was about to go to Israel, Grandma Ola came to the kibbutz and said, no, you, I'm taking you home back to Munich and we'll, we'll stay together. We'll either go to Israel or to United States. Then they decided to go to United States. Curious. So one thing that I was curious to see is uh, of like your feeling feelings toward like those countries that were most anti-Semitic, for example, like Germany and the Holocaust. And you answered definitely in a way that I didn't expect. You seemed much more peaceful in your uh, thoughts. So your son, uh, my dad, uh, he seems to me at least much more hostile towards those countries than you were in speaking because here? Because, he, he, well, he's more expressive than I am. I have the same feeling that your father does, but he expresses it more freely. And uh, we're different people. He's, his way of expressing it is very, he's being very uh, natural about it. He's being very honest about it. Uh, He's well read. He, you know, he traveled to different places. He met different people. So he's he's pretty well informed. I'm better informed because I lived that life. But I have a different way of expressing things than my sons do. So that's where it comes from. Uh, he's uh, plus he didn't go through things that I went through. So he feels he's a more liberated person. I was suppressed more in my youth. Uh, he's not, he doesn't have that experience. Uh, he was never uh, put down. He was never, you know, he, he was born and lived and brought up in a free country where he can express himself and he likes to express himself. That, there's a difference here. And it's a difference in personalities, too. And uh, I have one last question for you. How would you feel if, say, Mark or I, and it's I'm more speaking for myself, I don't think Mark has any inclination towards this, 
How would you feel if, say, I wanted to live in Germany? I would have no objection. You you have to you have to be able to go wherever you feel comfortable, wherever you see a future for yourself. Uh, would I be happy about it? Probably not. But uh, I would not tell you don't do that. Uh, or you know you you you. From my point of view, you have to make your own decisions. Uh, it's your life, and you as an adult. You have to have that freedom. Would I give you some advice or how I feel? Probably yes, but still it would not uh, prevent, uh, I would not insist on anything that you would like to do. I, I feel that, you know, you as an individual, you have to make and should be able to make your own decision as you will. You know, it's... Uh, I can tell you how I feel about it. I can tell you, but I would not insist on anything or push in strong manners. So, would I express my feeling about different things? You bet. So, a couple minutes left. Um, just to wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wish to speak about? Well, a lot. A lot. You didn't ask how I wound up on the farm. You didn't ask how I was in the farm. You didn't ask about my parents at all. You have no clue. I don't think you do about my mother and my father. Uh, You just, you you have some ideas of what my life was like, but deep, uh, more uh, exact feelings, exact occurrences, you don't have that, uh, what happened with my parents, for example, and stuff like that, yeah. You know nothing about my parents. You know nothing about my father. You know nothing about my mother. Uh, I don't know if you knew that I was the only child they had. You probably did that. I don't know. But, uh, you know, they were very special individuals to me. I didn't have them for a very long time. But... Uh, your parents play a tremendous role in your upbringing. In your, even if you're a youngster, it always stays with you. Your parents play a horrendous role in your life. And you remember them, even as a pipsicle. My mother, was uh, when she died, I was about seven years old. But I remember her. My father I lost first day the Germans came to Vilna. I remember him very well. So, you know, and you have no clue who they were, what they did. Uh, and that's, that's a story in itself. All right. We're, do you follow me? I do. Okay. Only 10 seconds left now, but uh, I'll speak to you afterwards. Uh, thank you, though. You're welcome. For so far. You're welcome.